Today is Thursday, June 17th, 2010, and this is Make It So. Hello everybody, welcome to episode 20 of Make It So. My name is Charlie Plain. Unfortunately, my comrade-at-arms, Mr. Neil Timmons, was playing in the New Jersey Regional when we recorded this podcast. Congratulations to him on his win, by the way. So in today's episode, I am going to bring you interviews that I conducted with members of each of the two teams. First, I sat down with Tyler Fultz from the Borg team to talk about Far Beyond the Stars, and then later I will bring you the interview that I conducted with Darren Lacoste from the Federation team about home. So without further ado, we will bring you those interviews so you can find out a little bit about what the teams were thinking when they created their expansion. Well, I have with me today DJ Stormtrooper42, also known as Tyler Fultz. Welcome to the show, Tyler. Hey, good to be here, John. You've been involved in Make It So for six months now. Are you enjoying the competition? Yeah, um, I'm having a great time. Game design is one of one of my passions. I try to, when I'm you know available in my spare time, to do uh, board game design as well. So Make It So is really an outlet for me. If I could do this as a real job, I would definitely do it. I don't think you're alone in that regard. I think no, a number of people would do the same, myself included. Have you considered Make It So to be a positive experience overall, even though there's been a couple problems with it since this is the first time we've done this? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I feel like I've learned a lot about track and about game design uh, in general. Um, you know, the few problems that we've had haven't been anything that we couldn't surmount. And nothing that's heard my experience. For everybody out there who's not been a member of one of these teams, can you give me just a brief 60-second overview of what your process has been for the most part, especially in Phase 2, working on this expansion? The first thing we'll do on a particular challenge is we'll just get together and throw out ideas, flesh out what we're going to do. You know, especially for some of the weirder challenges like seven where we had to do the rules. You know, it took us a couple of days to, to figure out where we wanted to go and what our focus needed to be. So once we sort of got that established, and that usually takes one or two days, we'll just start pitching cards. Uh, even if they're not fully developed, you know, we'll, we'll leave out the lore or a cost sometimes and just throw stuff out there. And as we do that, we'll make comments on each other's cards, you know, maybe fuse together a couple of ideas that are very similar. And then once that's done, We'll, we'll set a date and say, all right, this is the time we're going to start voting. And we'll usually pick from the available options uh, what we want to go with. And then a day or two before the submission is due, we'll get together the, the ones that have the highest votes, make sure that our distribution, like affiliation and card type-wise is right, and then we'll clean up the submission and submit I have to say that Far Beyond the Stars is one of my favorite episodes, and I think it's a great expansion title. How did your team uh, arrive at that decision? That was actually, that was Nathan's contribution. I had pitched a name, I don't remember what it is now, but, um, you know, when he came up with that, we we really latched on to it, because we knew that that was a good episode. I think Deep Space Nine is the majority of people's favorite series, so 
I think picking an episode from that series is, is a good move on our part. Not always, but most of the time when you have a expansion named after a episode, they try, the designers try to put content from that episode in the expansion. Uh, one of the more noticeable exceptions would be the last full virtual expansion for 2E, which was called Allegiance, but had no content from that episode in it. Did you ever think about putting Benny Russell and those type of guys in, in this expansion, or did you just decide that the name was good enough to stand on its own? Well, the first thing we did was we looked at the cards that have already been made for that episode, and the problem is I think there's already two or three that are from that, that plot line. So because those cards were already there, you know, we had to sort of work around lore that's already been used and, and look at what the theme for those cards was. So that, that's how we got to the conclusion uh, to do a dilemma that dealt with discarding cards uh, like the other ones from that episode had done. I pitched a, a sort of off-the-cuff, non-aligned, alternate universe version of Cisco as Benny Russell, but in the end we decided that the dilemma fit better. One of the things that Neil and I talked about in the last episode was the appearance of so many events in, in both your expansion and your opponent's expansion. Was there a particular reason that your team ended up with, with so many events in this expansion, or was that a conscious decision, or more of a consequence of the previous challenges? I think partly it was previous challenges, but but more it was a consequence of, of just the time frame and the options that we had when it came down to solidifying the expansion. We, I think we decided to keep maybe a few less cards from the previous expansions than the other team did. So we, we ended up pitching a lot of stuff that was related to our theme and not necessarily from the previous challenges. And a lot of those cards, for one reason or another, ended up being events. That's just how we ended up with them. It, it wasn't a conscious decision. Well, the other thing that really stuck out at me when I was looking through this was um, your Bajoran Riker. Um, yeah, I wanted to talk to you about that, too. Uh, I, I asked last episode for your team to justify why you thought he should be Bajoran with a Maquis icon, so go ahead. Tell me what you think. Okay, uh, obviously there was a lot of debate among our team on this, too. And I was really the one, I think, who pushed for it to be a Bajoran card, and I've got three reasons why. The first example is uh, to build this card, I went back to the Riker Will 1E card, which was a Bajoran with a Maquis icon. And although the correlations between 1E and 2E aren't exact, I felt like that was a good place to start. Also, while most of the infiltrators in the game are the affiliation of which they're infiltrating from, there are some exceptions, like Seska uh, and Miles O'Brien Connolly. The presence of those examples, or those exceptions, said to me that uh, the infiltrator rule was bendable. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't ironclad, you know, it was something we could mess with a little bit. So because of Riker's aesthetics and the fact that he would, you know, had a Bajoran nose and a Bajoran earring and clothing, it just made more sense for him to be a Bajoran affiliation person. Well, that brings up an interesting question. There are a lot of design rules in the in second edition. Some of them you've been taught and exposed to, and a lot of them even the experienced assistant designers don't know, and Brad keeps very close to his vest. As a contestant in a challenge, did you ever feel really nervous about 
trying to bend those rules, or did you feel like that was something that you felt you could safely do? You know, there's been some talk about this on the boards as to whether or not make it so it is a test of how well you know Trek orthodoxy. And I don't know where to I don't know where to stand on that. I think there's been some innovative stuff done, but then a lot of it up till now has been just you know learning those rules and learning how to work within the the Trek environment. So what I'd be looking for from phase three would maybe be a little bit freer reins for the contestants to let us try some more experimental stuff. I think that you can safely expect that. Tyler, what is your personal favorite card from Far Beyond the Stars? My personal favorite is uh, Eliminate Terrorists. When we were designing the expansion, we were looking at the region theme, obviously, and one that came up was the Badlands. The truth is that like, there's nothing, I don't think there's any cards that key off of it, and it's a very difficult region to use effectively because the Maquis can only attempt some of the missions, and it's only open to certain affiliations. So we made the decision that rather than doing a Badlands event or personnel or something, that a mission would just be the best thing. And I thought Eliminate Terrorists was a great way to both work in that element and to give Terranor a boost and, and throw in a little Star Wars reference in the lore. Did you have a favorite card that didn't make it in or a card that was cut that you wished you hadn't cut? I wanted to get in a a Cardassia region mission that sort of pressed the culmination of the Dominion War. You know, when, when Cisco and the Romulans and the Klingons all hit the barrier at Cardassia Prime, I, I really wanted to express that in the form of a mission. However, the one that we came up with ended up being a Cardassia Prime um, version, and it, it just didn't come together as a as a workable play concept. But I still I really love the idea of the Dominion War as the the culminating struggle of, of DS9, and I wish that was expressed more in some game mechanics. So I've asked you what your favorite card is. Time to fess up and tell me what your least favorite card in Far Beyond the Stars is. In, in retrospect, my least favorite is our version of Archer. While I think we got the Persona and the, you know, the commanding shipwright and the type of ability that we wanted right, the ability itself just falls completely flat. <laughs> Somehow, all of us were able to read that over and over and not see that, you know, when you played him, you would have to have a card in hand. So, you know, we'll talk that one up the losses and hope the judges don't punish us too bad. Well, let me ask you a follow-up then. At, at what point during the process did you write him? Did you write him, like, the day before you submitted, or had he been written a while ago and you just pulled him out and put him in? Yeah, we had a couple of days to look over him and get him in the submission. That one we just didn't, didn't hit. Even Brad and his teams are not immune to making mistakes. All right, so having completed this 45-card expansion, is there anything that you would have done differently from day one to day to now than you did? I don't think so. I think even shortly after the first challenge, we sort of agreed on what our theme for the expansion was going to be. So we all knew where we were working towards, and and we were sort of favoring cards and ideas that would be be beneficial to that, even if we didn't always have the opportunity to work them in. I, I guess the only thing we would have done would have been maybe to pitch a few more cards 
before the final challenge. So we had a bigger pool to draw from when it was time to choose. It's always easier to cut cards than it is to write and fill empty spots. Yeah, definitely. And one thing Brad always tells us is that dilemmas are the easiest cards to write and throw in with the least amount of testing. So if you ever do find yourself in the future short on cards, go start writing some dilemmas. In 30 to 45 seconds, tell the public who are listening why they should vote for Far Beyond the Stars to win this challenge. I think Far Beyond the Stars has a much more dramatic and much more exciting theme than the Federation expansion does. Ours is about going into the galaxy and doing the, you know, the biggest things that you can do and, and confronting people over the issues that, that matter most to the various affiliations. And, and sitting at home just doesn't have that same dramatic appeal to me. Well, Tyler, thanks for taking a, a few minutes out of your busy day to talk with us. No, uh, it's been a pleasure, Charlie. I hope uh, we can continue doing Make It So for, for years to come. That would be nice, although uh, maybe it'd be great to hire somebody else to do all this editing. But <laughs> Congratulations on all of your team's success, and I hope that we continue to see you do well in Phase 3. Thank you very much. Right now, I have with me Mr. Darren Lacoste of the Federation team. Welcome to Make It So, Darren. Thank you, sir. How have you been enjoying the downtime since you submitted your expansion? Well, <laughs> it's, it's been great. You know, it's, it's a little feast or famine with this competition. It's go, 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 and then you sit for some time. Although, to our team's credit, we, we did try to take very good advantage of the time between the challenges of Phase 2, because we wanted to go back and revise parts of the previous challenges to keep up. So, it, it, it's been good. It's, it's been nice to have a break. Personally, Darren, have you been enjoying your time in Make It So? Most definitely. It was. I didn't know what to expect from the beginning, but from the very first moment that the article went up on the main page that this opportunity was going to be made available, I was in. I was ready. Sign me up. I'm good to go. If, if only for the learning experience. I think the thing that really sold me personally was the bit of text in the opening article that said, you're going to get to learn all about the entire design process step by step. And that's something that I've always wanted to participate in. So I, I'm, I'm hooked. This is wonderful. Do you feel that you have learned a lot about the design process? I do. I most definitely do. Uh, and, and in areas where I, where I didn't necessarily expect to, I, I have a completely different perspective now on what's involved in designing cards. I've always known that it is a lot of work and that it is very rewarding. It's, <laughs> it's, it draws on areas of your personality that you don't necessarily access on a day to day basis, but I, I've enjoyed it thoroughly. I, I think it's fantastic, and I'm, I, I hope I get a shot to, to do it for real, as the expression goes. Well, your team put together 45 pretty good cards in your virtual expansion, which you called Home. Can you tell us a little bit about 
why you chose that name and how it relates to the expansion? The original intent behind naming our expansion was we were trying to tie in to what we thought was the centerpiece, which was uh, the introduction of the Zindi. The Zindi in the show represented such a big threat to Earth that we wanted something that sort of captured that. We were also told very early on that there was going to be cards from Earth's contact, which was also another big threat to Earth, and that there was going to be a meta element to our expansion, correcting the meta, which there is in every expansion. That wasn't a surprise to us. But. And so we kind of originally were thinking this is all relating to threatened worlds, and we meant that in both its most literal and figurative sense, like threats to Earth in the show, as well as the metagame, threats to the World Championship, hosted by the Continuing Committee, what cards are threatening the viability of the World Championship. So we, we, early on, that was our primary focus. We wanted to connect with worlds in danger, headquarters, home worlds, and um, we didn't end up deciding on the name until really within the last week. We, we made a big long list of all the episodes with the word home in the title, of episodes that were all about threats to home or headquarters or uh, the names of the various worlds we considered home front for a time. But in the end, we thought home was very simple, and so that was what we went with. Well, simple is good, and so is waiting till the last bit of time to name your expansion. That's also good. There's a there's a reason Brad doesn't even think about names until well after the cards are almost done. One of the things that that both Neil and I noticed uh, when we were going through the expansions was that both of you have a large number of events in your expansion, more than is typical. Was there a, a particular reason why you chose to be so event-heavy, or did you find that it was just sort of a natural consequence of the previous challenges? Yeah, I, I, I really do think it was it was just the way previous challenges were framed. You know, we were, we were told early on, you're going to use these cards in your, in your Final 45, and so we we tried to take into account as we went not only the challenge we were facing at that moment in time, but the final big picture overview. And those are not easy to balance. You know, you, you need to take it one challenge at a time, uh, particularly when each member of the team knows that it could be his last challenge. Obviously, you want to make every challenge your best. So um, I think when we when it came time to go over, all right, so we've made a lot more than 45 cards, which ones are we going to keep? A lot of times, the ones we went with were the most time-tested, the ones where we got feedback from the judges, therefore the ones we had used on previous challenges, and those have just lent themselves to being events a lot of the time. One of the most interesting decisions that the teams had to make was how they were going to identify the Zindi in the game. The, the rules of the challenge had very specifically forbid creating a new affiliation, and, and your team chose a strategy that I like, which is to create an icon. What led you to that decision, and what do you think the advantages of that are over other methods? Well, I think the first major advantage is space. When it's an icon, it's off to the side, and that doesn't take up any text. So in a card game where every now and then you want to make a card and you're limited by the space, having those five or six extra characters can make a big difference. But I think, for the most part, 
our, our original version, we had gone with keywords, and we had a lot of keywords in our original submission. Um, we, we, we've changed that. We took a new tack just because we knew there were a couple of ways it could go. There were varying opinions on which way was the best way to go, but generally speaking, it seemed like a lot of folks felt that how you handled it was largely six and six, one, six and one half a dozen in the other. So um, we thought the icon had merit, and we felt that it would be well-liked, and so in the end, that's what we put in the shift to. One other thing that I did notice is that you included a non-Zindi, non-aligned personnel. You had uh, Irina, the infiltrator. Was there a particular reason you wanted a, a non-Zindi, non-aligned? Well, I mean, there wasn't any particular magic behind selecting a non-Zindi, non-aligned personnel. That, that wasn't why the personnel made it into the set. The Irina came from one of the meta-adjusting challenges, and even though we know that Cruise is just one spoke in the wheel that is the monster of that Klingon deck, we, we felt that sometimes you need to deal with it one spoke at a time. And so Irina was, was largely inspired by trying to come up with an answer to Cruise. And it seemed, you know, we, we selected her because of her actions in the show. She she essentially infiltrated the Voyager crew during their race, and she planted a bomb at a console and then walked on her merry way. So it seemed like a really good way of creating a card thematically that made sense that allowed us to kill off, essentially, just some small, low-cost character, some guy who's just back there running panels. And it just so happens the crew happens to cost two, so that seems like that would be a good truck sense fit. It was a good metagame choice, and really the card design was driven by those factors, and it, it's just coincidence and uh, effect that it just happens to generate a non-aligned, uh, non-Zindi personnel. One of the things we did notice is you have six ships in home. Did you want to put a lot of ships in there, or again was that just sort of a consequence of what had come before. You know, in this in this case I think that's more of a mix. The the previous challenges generated some great card concepts that we were really quite pleased with. You know, the the Defiant is is certainly one of our favorites. And the two Zindi ships we, we really wanted to make a big impression with introducing the Zindi. I mean they're they've they're a <laughs> a long-awaited sub-faction in the game, and we felt that just one ship wasn't going to do their entry justice. So between the two Zindi ships that we have and the Defiant, we already had three ships. And so if, you, if you're if you kind of looking for a, a comparison there, particularly with what the podcast listed, The Undiscovered Country, those three ships were already allocated. But we know, we know players like ships. Some ships are just cool, and there are a lot of cool ships that haven't been introduced into the game. So when we were looking to fill out our expansion, and particularly to meet the requirement that each affiliation needed one noun, we didn't just want to give every affiliation a personnel. That seemed kind of one-sided to us. So in the end, we said, all right, well, 
let's give you those affiliations uh, ships instead. And um, the Klingon and the Romulan ships were born from that decision. So, so tell me, Darren, what is your favorite card from home? It's got to be the Defiant. I, I, I just think it really, it's an exciting ship. It is a ship that has been out of the game for too long. People have been clamoring for this ship to make its appearance. We, we think, we think it's ready to go. The, the, the theming seems right. The, the ability seems right for the faction that it was designed for. And uh, it generates a lot of buzz and excitement. So uh, I gotta say that's that's probably that's per- certainly my personal favorite of the forty-five. And I have to say that the image that Johnny picked is just absolutely striking. And I hope that if the card ever does get made, that it's it's that screen grab right there. Did you have a favorite card, a, a card that you really championed that either just didn't make the final cut or had to be taken out? Yes, definitely. You know there were. When we came down to the end, we, we probably had about 55 or so viable cards that we needed to cut down to 45. And I think the one we, that we were saddest to see go was Tempting Power. It was a card that essentially booted other cards that presented dilemmas. And so we had a hard time justifying putting it in our set because we had at least one or two other cards that prevented dilemmas, and it seemed contradictory to include both in one release. In the same vein that you wished that you could have included Tempting Power, is there a card in your final 45 that you kind of wish you hadn't put in? You know, it's, it's kind of hard to say. We, we've agonized over so many of them for so long. They're, you know, they, they, they kind of feel like they're children. Uh, so it, it's it's hard to single one out and say, no, this one's crap. We don't, we don't think it's any good. Um, so I, I don't know that I have a, a, a definitive answer for that question. I mean, if there's one thing that I would say, you mentioned before the two Starfleet ships. I, I certainly don't feel as though Starfleet needed to get two more ships. So if I had to, if I had to pick a card that would be my least favorite, I, I certainly am tempted to say the Intrepid, but based only on the fact that it just didn't feel like it needed to be among our 45. We were kind of, we felt like we were pressured to put it in. If I had to pick a least favorite, I'll, I'll go with that. All right, Darren, since you're the representative for the Federation team, give us your 60-second pitch as to why everybody out there should vote for Home over Far Beyond the Stars. We've got a talented group of designers on our team, and I think what we have put together is solid, it's consistent, it's thematic, it meets what we have learned to be many of the commonly used design standards that the actual design teams use today. Um, we've made some high quality cards, we've made some meta adjusting cards that we think are going to find their way into decks both with joy in the hearts of the players who use them and with agony. Uh, in the hearts of the players who would like to abuse the cards that those meta cards are dealing with. Well, Darren, thank you for taking some time out of your busy day to represent your team here on Make It So. I certainly have enjoyed talking to you. And I you. It was an honor. Thank you so much. Hey, baby, jump over here when you do it.
That is all we have for you this week. I hope that those interviews shed some light onto what the teams were thinking when they created their virtual expansions. My name is Charlie Plain, and for my absent co-host, Mr. Neil Timmons, in the immortal words of Captain Jean-Luc Picard, make it so. So podcast is recorded under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial share-alike license. For more information, visit www.creativecommons.org. Some of the music in today's podcast is brought to you podsafe-free from Mevio's Music Alley. For more information, visit www.musicalley.com. Make it so. The search for the next assistant game designer is brought to you by the Continuum Committee, home of the first and second edition Star Trek CCG. For more information please visit www.trekcc.org, www.trekcc.org.